everyone, and welcome back to the Full Circle Podcast. For those of you who are listening for the first time, I am Gillian McMichael, a master coach, holistic wellness expert, and the founder of Full Circle Global. And my purpose is to help others find their way home, back to their true self. In this season of the Full Circle Podcast, I explore a new theme, and this season it's all about transformation. I was really interested in highlighting the amazing stories of people who have had experienced significant transformational shifts in their lives. Whether it's a career change, a lifestyle change, weight loss, I'm speaking to people with remarkable stories that have helped them find their way home back to their true selves. Physical, spiritual, emotional transformations, we are looking at it all. This week, we are diving into a really fascinating discussion centered around perfectionism. From the outset, perfectionism is often viewed as a positive trait, but for those who identify as perfectionists, it is far from a positive experience. High levels of stress, fear of failure, unrealistic expectations. These are just some of the signs of perfectionism. And if left unchecked, these traits can consume the life of the perfectionist. My guest today is Natalie Orr, a woman who has embarked on a long journey to heal her perfectionist tendencies. Natalie is a life coach and professional dancer based in Madrid, and she holds a master's degree in dance anthropology. She's spoken openly about her experience as a self-confessed perfectionist how she's overcome some of those behaviours and how she's living a far more calm and balanced life as a result. Today, Natalie will be sharing a bit more about what this journey looked like for her and the advice she has for listeners who would like to put their perfectionism behind them. Sit back and enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Natalie. I'm delighted to have you on the show today. The topic of our conversation today is ending perfection to live your best life. And I'm really super excited to be talking to you today about this topic. Thank so... you so much for having me, Gillian. I'm really excited. It's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Good, because I'm really interested in this because perfection is a really interesting word, but also in terms of the what it makes you do as well. So tell me from your perspective, perfection and how that has showed up in your life in general over the years. Yes. Okay. So perfectionism, the definition is that you don't like mistakes or faults in things, or not even that you don't like, but they're intolerable to you. So that's like the dictionary definition. But I think that we can broaden it out quite a lot because for me perfectionism is not like they're a perfectionist and they're a non-perfectionist we're all somewhere on the scale um, and we fluctuate at different points in our life depending on what we're doing depending on the expectations that are placed on us from other people or from ourselves so for me (laughs) it started when I was quite young although of course at the time I didn't realize what it was or that that would ever be a word that I would associate with myself but you know I think probably quite a lot of people can relate to this and it just started with wanting to do well at school you know trying to get good grades um, trying to be a good big sister 
trying to, you know, just do my best all the time. And there's nothing wrong with doing our best. That's a, a valuable goal in life to do our best. But I think that the line that you cross into perfectionism, it's when you start to not be able to tolerate mistakes. Because doing your best is going to involve mistakes, it's going to involve failures, it's going to involve learning, which always involves, you know, the messiness. And so I think that's where you cross over from like just happily going along doing your best and enjoying the process of doing your best. And then you step into self-criticism, punishing yourself when things don't go right, comparison, competition. And once you've crossed over into the dark side, we could call it, it's actually very difficult to remember that you can still get things done from the other side of having fun, of enjoying the process, of seeing people as collaborators rather than competition. Because all of a sudden, once you've stepped into this way of doing things where actually you're always trying to avoid criticism, you're trying to avoid judgment. And this is all about internal, really. We don't want to be criticized or judged by ourselves, but we are the first people to do that. But we tell ourselves it's about avoiding it from other people. And so it's kind of in that place, once you've stepped into doing things in the other way, the more perfectionist way, that you actually forget that there's another way of doing things because you feel so safe in this place of not making mistakes and not looking silly and not being wrong, that you think that's the only way now. And at least for me, I started to believe that that was the only reason why I had achieved the things in my life that I'd achieved because of having this mindset. Um, and so, yeah, that was really <laughs> how it all started and how it went for quite a while, if I'm honest. Like I, I was stuck, I guess, stuck in perfectionism for most of my 20s, I'd say. Yeah. Can you remember the time when, you know, you said there before that it kind of, yeah, there was a tipping point, wasn't there? There was this moment where it moved from just being good at something then into full-blown perfectionism. Was there a point or a, a time when that was really noticeable for you? I don't know if there was one specific event or something, but I can, I can think back. And when I was around 13, and probably other people can identify with this, as you start to step into like your teenage years, you're much more self-aware of like how, <laughs> not self-aware in terms of like, I know what's going on with me, but self-aware in the way of like how other people are seeing me. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was around that time. It's also the time that I... Um, I used to really enjoy theatre, so my story, like, I'm, I'm a dance specialist, um, but there was a time when I really enjoyed also theatre, so, like, acting, um, but there was somewhere around when I was 13 where I just decided I couldn't do it anymore because acting felt so vulnerable, and you really, you can make mistakes, and people can, I don't know, there was something as well about speaking, and so that's when I really retreated into dance more. And that's not that it's a safer place necessarily, it's just a different place. I mean, you're still vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there, but in a different way. So I wonder if, you know, just looking back retrospectively now, I wonder if there was something around that moment as well with the perfectionism, because in theatre there is, like with acting, I'd say there's much less of a right and wrong. Whereas with dance, at least the stuff that I was doing, yes, it doesn't have to be a right or wrong. I was mainly doing contemporary at that age. I stopped doing ballet when I was nine. Um, but there was still, you know, there were, there were steps. You could be taught it. You could copy it. You could do it yourself. Um, and I really enjoyed choreography and I enjoyed those aspects as well. But it always used to frustrate me that I couldn't, like, guarantee getting a really good mark in, in the stuff like choreography because it's quite a lot of 
more, more subjective and like did my teachers like it <laughs> didn't matter if I liked it and all the dancers that I've ever created I loved them all but you know then it was this thing of like and some of them didn't get good marks and then all of a sudden because that was my feedback system uh, I started to like trust that less or maybe even resent it if I'm being really honest and so I think around yeah the teenage years where also just the school that I went to and you know I'm sure lots of people can relate to this <laughs> schools are a tough time especially <laughs> in some like neighborhoods and in some particular schools I'm sure all schools like you know there are people who are struggling and who will therefore resort to bullying etc but I went through a lot of that when I was a teenager and so I think you're so desperate or at least I was so desperate at that point to like not do anything wrong to not be anything wrong and of course you can't change what you look like like for example I've always been skinny it doesn't matter I mean I, I did dance but like I used to eat so much and like I used to get called anorexic and stuff and I was just like I can't do anything about that <laughs> but there's this thing that you're just like let me just be as perfect as possible to you know protect myself feel safe from other people's judgments and you know it's so hard when you're a teenager to actually say to yourself it's okay to be different it's okay if these people don't understand you or they don't like the way you are you're not here to please everyone but somehow we have this illusion that actually if we somehow someday attain perfection we will be able to please everyone it's such a tricky time as you were talking there just kind of reflecting on my period of that kind of teenage angst you know from 13 onwards and you're right it's so difficult because you're desperately wanting to fit in desperately wanting to to be liked and and all sorts of different things as well as do well and stuff at school it's it's really a challenging time for for most boys and girls I suppose but it's interesting because you obviously moved into dance then you moved you said that you then kind of moved more into to ballet at a particular time in your life and you know as an external person looking in you know I always I loved dancing and I, I, I did actually have desires to be a dancer myself when I was younger and also an actress as well so so interesting that you mentioned those two things but I always felt that ballet for me there was such a need for perfection actually and this drive and determination and huge commitment to the whole kind of studying of ballet that actually it scared me to death and I, I never went into it so can you share just a little bit more around how that might have impact did it impact I don't know did it impact your perfectionism at that point at all it's interesting because it was already very well established by the time I came back to ballet when I was 26 I think yeah I think I was 26 so it was already well established in my life by that point. <laughs> and when I'm talking about perfection, not just perfection in the things I did, but also in the way that I looked, like everything. And it was interesting because like, again, only looking back now, can I see how as a perfectionist, I would have been extremely drawn again to ballet. I didn't think it was anything to do with that at the time. And I still don't know that we can always pull these yeah. things apart. The other things that, or the story that I told myself at the time, at least was that, it was unfinished business because I stopped when I was nine and I was, you know, doing really well when I was nine. I think I was kind of on the path to follow that route. The other thing that I always loved about ballet was that it was about the aesthetic. It was about the beauty. Um, and it's so funny when you really, I, I don't know if other people have found this, but I'm imagining I'm not the only one. When you study something, like either as your degree or you just do it for a long time, sometimes it can take all the joy out of it. So when I studied contemporary, 
I really got so sick of like the analysis and like every single movement has to mean something and you know like overanalyzing all these choreographies and what does this one movement mean and what does that little head gesture mean and the thing that I loved about ballet was it it was yes the story but also you're allowed to just put a movement in there because it's beautiful and it looks beautiful and like you know the dancers do it together in synchrony whatever and I was so enticed by that again but of course, now looking back, I also see that I was enticed by the fact that there is an absolute right and wrong in ballet. You're always striving. You're never enough. You're never really good enough. And that's, it's not that that is necessarily true, but I'd say that a lot of people in the ballet world do have that mentality. Yeah. And perhaps not the most successful uh, dancers. They actually might not. They might actually have accepted, well, I'm never going to be enough or perfect and so now I dance with joy and with expression and with give myself permission etc I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case I haven't interviewed like (laughs) professional dancers to know if that's the case but I could imagine that there's something around there but you know the the other people that I've spoken to that I've met through ballet so just a very quick side note sorry I I created um like a little community through my Instagram of people who wanted to follow me as an adult going through Um, professional training in a conservatoire and lots of people kind of joined Mm -hmm. me on that journey and were interested and we had a little community and other people who were doing adult ballet classes so you know just in the dance school and things and lots of us did find that we had this perfectionist tendency we were quite in general like ambitious somewhat competitive and I think underlying all of those things was just this feeling of I'm not enough I haven't Mm -hmm. done enough I don't do enough I don't have enough And that's, again, it comes back to like, you believe that that's what's driving you. But when you start to peel away the layers, you're like, there's a lot more going on here. And I have a choice of do I want to dance ballet from a place of like, I'm not good enough. And whenever I fall out of a pirouette, I'm annoyed at myself. And whenever I'm, you know, in a stretch class and I see someone doing like a better splits than I can do that I feel like, oh, I'm never going to be there. Or or you can even do the competitive thing of like, I'm going to get there, but it's that like, it's not a nice energy particularly. It can get you places. This is the other thing because sometimes I find like in the spiritual world and like, I'm really into that as well. um, Like I love bringing spirituality and science together, but sometimes I feel like people can go into this thing of like, and if you're in any of these negative spaces, things won't work out for you. And you know, you won't achieve. And and I'm like, no, no, you will, you can, but it's not going to feel the same on the inside. But yes, from the outside, you look successful. And yes, you can, you know, achieve greatness as a dancer coming from this place of like being a perfectionist and, you know, not enjoying the process and only feeling okay when you reach the goal for an hour. And then you go back again to your you know neutral level which is I'm not good enough (laughs) and so you know just bringing yourself back to the question of do I want to be enjoying this and this is the point that I got to when I was so I I said I came back to ballet at 26 um when I was around 27 28 I had to just ask myself this serious question and what are you doing this for because yes I could have like carried on training and perhaps gotten into like be a corps de ballet member for a small company but in the back of my mind I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do that's not my journey like if I'd have really wanted to be a dancer professional and I did do some professional dancing in different styles 
but I would have already have been doing that. And so I had to just acknowledge to myself that I'd done that whole thing to prove to myself that I could do it and for no other reason. And it's not to say that people shouldn't do that. You can if you want, but I realize now like, well, I might have wasted a little bit of time there. Um, obviously all the fruits of that have now transformed into, you know, like I teach classes and I work with dancers on perfection and things like that. So it's not that it was all for nothing. It wasn't, but the, the story that goes with being a dancer or being in the arts, like whether it's musician, artist, you know, theater performer, dancer is that you're doing this to be an artist or like a dancer, a musician, share your art at the top because everything else is below. And so I had to go through this process of like acceptance. And there was like a grieving period for me when I actually was like, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. That's the thing that I, you know, wrote in my diary when I was four years old or whatever, that I'm not going to do it in ballet. And, you know, I'd imagined myself doing it and I had some opportunity to perform, but I was like, okay, and now it's time to let go of that. And it was sad for a bit. <laughs> it's so difficult, isn't it, though, mm-hmm. to to let go of such a big dream. And it's, it's interesting, as you're talking, you can really see how passionate you are of kind of coming out the other end of this. And I can really hear that as you're speaking. And those, obviously, I, I can see you on the, on, on the podcast. We won't be able to see you as such, but we can definitely hear that energy. Really curious around... We talked about the tipping point and when you recognised it wasn't serving you very well and that you wanted to do something different and that you just just talked there about kind of acceptance. And we'll come back to that in a minute, if that's all right. But just wondering around that relationship that you had with yourself, just in that kind of battle, because it feels like it was a really conflicting battle of, like you said, you wanted to get to the to the place where you wanted to get to and you invested all that time and effort, emotion, commitment, but yet then pulling away. And I just kind of wondered, what was your relationship with yourself at that time when you were going through that transitional period? That's so astute, Gillian, because that was really the moment that I started the life coaching stuff. And so it was in the moment where my relationship to myself changed. And it's not that... I hadn't done any self-awareness stuff before or I hadn't been through challenges before because like I moved to Spain by myself for example like and living in another culture even in another city but especially another culture another language you have to do quite a lot of self-reflection and self-questioning but it was exactly at that time that you're that you're talking about that I really got into like the life coaching space And I was very interested in, you know, watching the interviews, listening to the podcast. So this is probably around six years ago. And that was the time that I was like, I've always really enjoyed doing like research on myself. (laughs) So I don't, I don't really follow what other people say unless I see that it works for me. That's just the way that I've always been. And so I started to try out some of these things that people were suggesting. So like, I'm just thinking like Marie Folio, for example, she was someone that I found quite early on because originally I was looking for stuff for my business because I was running my own dance classes, etc. And I'm so grateful for these people who, you know, bring coaching into something else that gives you an in because I don't know if I necessarily would have, you know, gone to the personal development space directly, but I found it through her. And then once I found that, I just expanded and I was like, wow, there's a whole world (laughs) and then got totally like super into it. Um, And so it was really at that time that I realized these questions that I hadn't asked myself that now it was time to ask myself, which was like, why am I actually doing the things that I'm doing? 
And I had like the superficial answers, of course. It was like, well, because I love dance, because I'm passionate about dance. But it's like, yeah, but why this exact like manifestation of what dancing can be? Because dance is such a huge, it's a behavior. It's not just an art form. Like anyone can dance if they want to. And like, I knew that when I was studying my master's, but like, it's so interesting how we can compartmentalize um, and not bring things into our own life and embody them. So that was really in that moment that I started to ask, okay, so why am I dancing ballet now? And what do I want to do with it? And can I give myself permission to enjoy the process more? And then the question becomes, and when I'm aligning with the process and not the goals, what does that look like? And the scary thing is that for a lot of people, maybe not everyone, but I think for a lot of people, that's going to change the trajectory of your life. It does. And that's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> it is. And it's just it's just really triggered something as you've been chatting there. Because for me, I always say to when I'm training people to be coaches, you know, what's the most important? Is it the destination or is it the journey? And I suppose that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? That the process is the more enriching bit rather than necessarily the, the goal itself. Absolutely. And so once you start, when you shift the focus of this thing, because there was a story that once you reached that destination or when you you know got the goal or the objective, then the happiness comes. And when you say, what does it look like if I go from happiness first or joy first or fulfillment first or meaning first, and then trust that because those things are in place, I'm going to be moving in a direction that's aligned with me and what I want to do. So that was the process of me realizing that I was meant to serve in a different way and giving myself the permission to put or like reorganize the hierarchy that I had in my head of what is the the highest thing in the dance world or yeah I guess that was the first one that I kind of deconstructed and I said being an artist and being a teacher and being like a community leader and just being a participant, they're all together here in terms of like their value. They all have value. The value is different. Um, like in terms of what result do you want? Do you want a wonderful performance? Well, then you need this type of value. Do you want a like fulfilling embodied experience? Well, then you need this one. So, but once I had deconstructed that and given myself permission to live in any of those spaces, then I could step out of the perfectionism and step into my power because really this is a thing that I only am you know I'm still realizing this every day even though I've known it for a few years now which is perfectionism takes you out of your power because it means you're never you're never there and so how are you supposed to be fully empowered whereas accepting that you're not perfect but you're enough is like, well, I have everything then that I need and what do I want to do with it? What do I want to do with my time and my energy to create the most change in my life and in other people's lives? And like, that was the moment when I gave myself permission to kind of start coaching as well because I was like, this is the thing that I absolutely love and it lights me up. And in the same way that dance does in other moments, having these conversations like we're having right now is something else that for me just lights me up and you know it's so interesting because the way that <laughs> the way that we think about ourselves is we always devalue the things that are our gifts because we we think like this is so easy for me this can't be a gift or like this comes naturally like there's no value in this <laughs> it's so easy and of course it hasn't been easy you've developed through time but because you enjoy it it didn't feel like work 
And so that was such a realization for me, that moment as well. And it sounds so liberating as you've just described that in terms of that journey of accepting looking at things through fresh eyes, a different perspective on actually what was important to you, taking that time to reflect and to understand actually what do I really want for myself? And actually, can I, what is more important? Is it joy? Is it happiness? Is it a sense of fulfillment offering out to serve as you've described to to do work with other people and to support other people? But also, obviously, you still dance now and you still enjoy dancing, but it isn't easy, is it? And I just wondered, you know, along that way, because it sounds you've, you've come so far, but along that journey, did you hit any bumps in the road? Oh, yes. You know, for example, where dreaded, (laughs) that dreaded perfectionism kind of crept back in and kind of wanted to kind of grab you back in its grips. Absolutely. Yes, it it always comes back. And I think the reality is, or at least this is the way that I'm framing it now, is that this is going to be something that I manage for the rest of my life. It's not something that I'm going to cure myself from and then I never have to think about it again. And that's empowering as well, because then if it comes back, it's not that I've failed. It's just that, of course, it's come back because this is actually just a part of my conditioning, but I know how to overcome it now. Um, but yeah, there have been plenty of jump, like um, bumps in the road. Um, and I said jump. That's interesting. I guess I tried to jump over the bumps. But yes, I still teach dance now. So that was, that was another like, how on earth do I balance or like not even balance, but like, how do I just do these two things at the same time? And am I even allowed to do two things at the same time when I always thought you had to have one label? And if mine was dance teacher or, or dance or whatever it was, then oh, what do I do now? I'm a life coach and a dance teacher. So yeah, it's been tricky to navigate. And I'm still stepping into my power as a coach, because that's the newer label for me. And I guess, you know, the other thing that I'm trying to do is to not attach too much to the labels. And I know I've just called them that. It's kind of just useful and to have words. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, just allowing myself to be me and, and saying, well, being me is enough that there is value there. And that is not me being special. Everybody has that. Like you, exactly as you are today, right now, you have things that are of value to share. And so, you know, trying to come from that place. But I'll, for a big bump, I'll share this one. So I'd already started coaching one-to-one clients. This was like before COVID and I'd done my training and I'd already done like plenty of, you know, personal work on myself uh, before that moment. And then we went into lockdown and it's so interesting because I'm quite a doer and probably lots of the people who are listening are because, you know, we like to you know, we make a difference do. and do things. Yeah, do <laughs> things do. and create change and see things and be active. Um, but it's, it's so interesting when those moments of pause are thrust upon you. So it's not like you chose to go on holiday, but all of a sudden, especially because I was mainly doing dance at that time, I was doing a bit of coaching, but mainly dance. All my coaching was also in person. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're at, you're at home. And in Spain, because I live in Madrid, we had like a very strict, I think it was almost two months lockdown where you weren't allowed out at all, not even to go for a walk. And that was really like, ah, and I just went into like meltdown in terms of like, doubting myself with the coaching stuff and I chickened out and I stopped doing any coaching at all I said to my clients like I'm so sorry let's just wait until we're back in person because I don't think I can do this online or whatever and then I jumped fully into the ballet stuff and I was only doing ballet for like yeah a few a good few probably half a year of the beginning of lockdown now I look back and I'm like yeah there was the scared thing again you weren't perfect at it you didn't really feel like you were enough 
you'd only got a few certificates, you felt like you needed more, you'd done a lot of work on yourself, but you didn't have proof. But of course, how am I going to have proof if I'm not doing coaching? <laughs> and so, you know, just all yeah, of this, this, so it comes back. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the cycle goes round and round and round, doesn't it? And it's a real, it, it's a real challenge for us all, actually, because that kind of self-talk, that narrative, that story that, as you said, was conditioned and is, is so ingrained in us, you know, is is there are circumstances, I'm sure, that the universe uh, tests us throughout our lives. And, and sometimes we wobble and we go back and sometimes we don't and we stay steady. And I suppose that makes this journey all more enriching for those moments of those wobbles versus us still staying steady. So it sounds like you've experienced a lot. So I just wondered, out of all of those moments, what's what's been kind of some of the, the learnings that you've had along the way? What is the biggest learnings that you could share with our listeners? So many. There's something that's coming to mind, which, which we haven't touched on yet, but it's an important aspect, at least for me, of the perfectionism, which was how it showed up in my relationship because I think in the end like as well as having you know ideally a fulfilling career if that's something they're interested in of course everyone has a choice of what they want to do with their lives and you know we've talked about how perfectionism shows up in that way but in my relationship and so I think one of the most powerful lessons that I've learned now coming out of the other side of perfectionism is that I'm allowed to not be perfect in my relationship and I have to remind Jordan of that. So we've been together, we just got married last month um, and we've been together already for eight years, thank you. <laughs> um, and so he knew me first as the full-on, full-blown perfectionist that I was at that time when we met. And it's been really interesting in the last couple of years that I have to re- actually remind him that I am not perfect. And so it's this thing that I will offer to anyone who's who can relate to the perfectionism thing that we usually take on other people's criticisms as truth about who we are and we're like oh my god I have to fix this and if you're like me because I'm also quite a fiery person and we have different coping mechanisms my ones usually fight I know quite a lot of people like withdraw uh, my one is usually to go into it and go all guns blazing and so in that moment, I would also get very, very defensive. And so now acknowledging that I don't have to be perfect, my answer now to Jordan is very interesting because he is not a perfectionist, but because that's what I offered him at the beginning, he took it and then he expected perfection. (laughs) And so (laughs) not that I ever was, but it was that, I guess he just felt that energy of me always trying to be perfect. And so he was like, I'm going to remind you every time you're not. (laughs) And so uh, now I know that stepping into my power is those moments where I can say to him, you know, I'm sorry this didn't work out. I'm sorry I made a mistake, but I'm allowed to make mistakes too. And I'm allowed to learn from, you know, the things that didn't go right. And listen, I accept myself as the flawed person that I am. And of course, I would never give this same advice to someone who, you know, is not particularly conscious, is not particularly self-aware, that doesn't really try, that's lazy, etc. This is advice for the people who, by accepting some flaws, some mistakes, some looking silly along the way, you're not reducing, you know, your level of showing up for people. Because that's one of the things I was going to ask you about was that, you know, what would be the first, that's obviously a really great lesson, but what would the first thing you say to a perfectionist in terms of their need to overcome their perfectionism tendencies? So the first thing would be acknowledge why it's there. So instead of just being like, 
oh, okay, so I've heard on this podcast that perfectionism isn't good. I better change that. No, get get curious about it. Well, okay, why why do I have it? Why is it there? What do I think it's protecting me from? Was it from bullying at school? Was it from a parent who was always telling me that I wasn't good enough? Was it from a partner that I had who made me feel like lesser than every other woman? What was it? What was the thing? Where did it start? Why was it there? Why have I carried it with me? How do I believe that it's still keeping me safe? And then once you've done that part, then you can start to decide and which parts am I willing to let go of now? And I would suggest like not trying to do everything at once. If you can identify one place in your life that you think I can start with this place, maybe it's going to be your appearance and you're going to say, you know what, today I'm going to like give myself permission to go to the supermarket without putting on any makeup or whatever it is. Just choose one place where you're going to be imperfect and accept the imperfection and then it will start to you'll see it will start to seep out because once you have acceptance in one area it starts to kind of you know kind of have that ripple effect doesn't it yeah Yeah. exactly and acceptance is I mean you've you've talked about acceptance a few times throughout the conversation and and I, I, I agree with you acceptance is such a big thing and this sense of giving permission is so critical isn't it it's so crucial to that kind of first step towards acceptance and I think what you said there be willing to let go to try things in small steps don't overwhelm don't try and get it perfect first time around (laughs) (laughs) Um, but but also kind of get to the root cause it sounds from what you're saying is try to kind of get to that well when was this when I started to be like this and then can I let go of it so amazing advice thank you I know that you've sought your own kind of research you mentioned their podcasts and that you said that you listened to other people talking about kind of self-development and then you got some coaching and then you, you moved into coaching yourself so what other resources did you rely on have you got any top tips around that that might help people in, on their journey I can share my absolute favorite book, which is a game. This was like a game changer for me, but it won't be for everyone. You know, everyone will have a different book, but my one was, it's called Letting Go. And what I loved about this one is, so he's um, a doctor, as in like, not a medical doctor, but a PhD. And he goes through actually the science. And again, as a perfectionist, it's something that, again, I'm always drawn to the right and wrong. And science offers you this possibility of right and wrong uh, or true and untrue. (laughs) But he breaks it down into emotion, like the emotional aspects. That's always been something that I felt was never right or wrong or like I just didn't understand and it was messy and I was like, meh. So that book was so healing for me. And because it's called Letting Go, that was another thing. So like, you know, in general, I've always been a control freak and probably that somewhat goes hand in hand with being a perfectionist. And it's this idea of surrendering, letting go and trusting, trusting other people, trusting in the universe and knowing that there will be ups and downs in that but that you'll be okay. So it's like the emotional resilience part. And he he talks about that as well in in the book. So that's one of my favorites. I also have done like a few programs like with other people, which have been really wonderful. And that's very special. And something that I haven't done yet that I'm very much looking forward to doing is to doing something really in person. So like some kind of retreat or Mm -hmm. some, you know, coaching program in person, because all of this kind of happened, you know, more recently. And so we haven't been able to be together. But it's something that I think, I know, at least through dance, it's a very healing experience to be 
together in a space and sharing that energy so I'm looking forward to being able to do that as well with coaching <laughs> in <Amazing>. real life <laughs> that's fantastic brilliant thanks for all those tips that's really useful and I found also that yeah if you can find a book that you can really relate to I think is so important and there's so much out there isn't there on the internet so absolutely go source your your books your podcasts your kind of and, and also work with people work with people in either a one-to-one basis or get some support from a coach or therapist maybe depending on what you need at that time so just one final question I just want to say thank you so much this has been an amazing conversation and I'm really grateful for you sharing your story with us today but where can listeners learn more about what you do and the work that you do my favorite place is Instagram so Natalie or my surname is orr.co um that's where I am on Instagram I'm also Natalie Dancer that's for the if there are ballet people here feel free to (laughs) join that place but for this kind of coaching stuff that's where I am and the reason I love Instagram is because people can come and like send me a DM like I'm also on YouTube but I much prefer Instagram because it's like much more of a community and I get to see your guys profiles and we get to chat so that's my favorite place to connect with people lovely that's amazing well listen Good luck in your future endeavours with your coaching and still your dancing. And let's hope that nasty perfectionism just stays away for good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been lovely having you. Thanks so much, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review and subscribe to be notified each week of new episodes. Until next time, stay well, invite joy and curiosity into your life. See you soon.